Hergenrother, and this is Business Meet Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, I'm joined by my chief of staff, Hallie. Hallie, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I have a funny story I wanted to tell you. Oh, great. Live. I love hearing that funny stories. Yeah. So I meant to tell you yesterday, when you were teaching um, a class yesterday to some of our leaders, you, you're just on a roll and you're going and you're sharing stuff and you said face tweet. <laughs> and one of the words that you use and I was just like it cracked me up and I was then I was messaging with Aaron our VP and about we have a running list of all the words that you've made up over the years and so I added face tweet to my big long list of other words like doership and trample and dramic and inherency and um what's another one schematic and maxability and reinventation and i'm just like you know when are we going to get these in the dictionary Well, we were teaching, I think, to our Project U class, and uh, which we're really excited for and, and love pouring into that group. You know, what, at least in my mind, how I can justify it or explain it, it's just pretty funny. And I know when I do it, but my mind, and maybe other people are like this, I know you're not because your language is always perfect. But in my mind, I see the sentence in my head before I can say it. And I'm sa- my, my words are coming out two or three sentences behind how I'm seeing it in my mind. And so that's so actually why I talk. So I try to, I'm, I'm working on slowing down a little bit so that I can keep up my audible with my thinking to make sure that it's almost like in sync that way. But that's why like words get interchanged. Like they really, the, what, what you're seeing, there's two words combined for speed. Yes. <laughs> and that's really where it yeah. comes into it. Oh, totally. There was one word that you said was yes. And what you were trying to say is say, say yes to your essence. Yes. And the word came out as yes. Yeah. And I just think that's, that's funny. I mean, I, similar to me, I, I don't speak that way, but I read that way. I don't really read in words. I read more. I mean, I can almost read a whole page at once Yeah. Um, rather than just the individual words. I'm just reading it all at the same time. You know, it's funny. I was doing this little exercise with my kids now that they're all kind of my daughter, her goal was to be able to read books for this year, which is super cool. Um, and so now she's, we're all in this reading category and I actually bribe my kids to read. I buying my son a Nerf gun once he reads a hundred pages of like a Jocko Willow book and stuff like that, just to kind of just different funds, books like that, um, that are, I think are going to help them. So I'm happy to bribe them that way. But one of the, uh, the things that we were talking about was whether or not they see words easier or, or, or numbers easier. And for me, I think for you, it's, you see words a lot easier. It's actually hard in my, I don't know, it's more difficult for me to actually see language and spell it out than it is for me to see numbers in, or the, I think because I see the large picture of things. And so words have so many little letters and different rules that are truncated for, if that even makes sense, but even like the, they're just, they're just in there, right? There, there's so many different letters that are in there. So I, I see the whole word and I get the meaning of it, but actually then going to have to actually write it out to every single correct letter sometimes can be challenging for me. And so I just see the whole picture of the whole thing. And, and it's funny because my daughter sees words really well. She actually, actually one of them, of course, all the, all of everyone's kids are always special, but like one of my kids actually has like this, we played memory with her and she, we've been playing memory with her and she has an incredible memory. Like it's actually incredibly fascinating. She beats any adult that I've ever seen play in memory. I mean, literally, like I just have them do it. It's fun. It's kind of interesting to watch. And it's astonishing, but she can't see numbers. It's like she has a photographic memory that way, but she has really challenging seeing numbers. And whereas I can see the numbers because they have very black and white rules to them, I guess. I don't know. It's just, they're, they're just easier. Um, 
and uh, versus like language. And I think that's also could be contributing to it as well. Yeah. And then I can't help but think of from some of the books of all that we've been reading that is it, is it really about a more of an affinity for those? Is it, is it a knowledge-based thing? Or is it just that you have more of an affinity for one or the other and therefore your natural interest went to one more than the other? Because I guarantee that if I sat and studied math, I would master it, but I had no interest in it. Yeah, it could be. I guess that's the philosophical but debate, right? But do I have right? no interest in it because I was not naturally good at it? Well, I have an interest know. in language, though. Cause I, yeah, but I can say it better. Well, I can see the words and the meanings from there, but I just I naturally can see things larger. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. It's uh, I think everyone kind of um, some people can see both. Some people, I think it, it can naturally gravitate to one or another. And, and uh, it's just interesting to see in perspective, especially when you have kids, too, of like how they all differ between, you know, language or crafts or math. And anyways. Uh, well, speaking of that, um, today's episode, we want to really jump in of kind of nine lessons from, uh, 2021. Um, and I know that people have kind of like read and listened to people's like, Hey, how was the year and lessons they've learned. And so we kind of wanted to jump in after you, maybe the dust has settled a little bit, uh, and kind of walk through a little teaching that we did to, you know, the lessons that kind of, we look back on our, uh, our year, which I think is really important to do about kind of what you learn, what it is that you're doing and, and how you bring those lessons, those models into your life. And they could change every year. But for me, essentially nine lessons kind of emerged from this, um, kind of throughout the year. So I'm just going to jump in the first one. Um, I think one of the most important, they're all really important. That's right. Let's do this and they can really important. But like this one, I think is really, really important given where the state of the world is at. Um, because there's a there's a underlying kind of tension or stress or anxiety that's there, um, around, uh, just in general what's happening, right? Like it's, there's the uncertainty and I think that creates fear. Any, anyway, anyways, I think one of the most important things from that that came about was just the first lesson is meaningful work. What I mean by that is not necessarily the, the work that you do, which is important. I mean that you're acknowledging everybody's on your team. The work that they do is extremely meaningful. There's been, you know, especially over the past couple of years, there's been so much research that comes out and shows, um, actually Angela Duckworth did a bunch of research and some of her colleagues about, um, why people either switch jobs or what they're looking for. And it's all about meaningful work. That was the language. Do you remember the stat? It was like 70 or 80% of people, the meaningful work that knowing that they were doing meaningful work help them live healthier lives, less stressful lives. They were more engaged. They were better, basically better human beings. And so the, the essence of business meets spirituality, personal growth through business is about being a better human, about making better decisions for your life and for other people and, and helping other people live more fuller lives. And by doing that, one of the ways that you can do it as a business owner, because this is business and work and personal, right? Is to let people know the, the meaningful work that they're doing, the contributions, from everybody that's there. And it doesn't just mean people on your current team, people that you're vendors that you're working with, you know, um, outside relationships, you have big clients, letting them know that their work is meaningful because at the end of the day, I mean, I want to know my work is meaningful. Don't you Hallie? Right. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's always nice to know that what you're spending your time on is meaningful. And I think as leaders, we can do a, a, we can be, even if it's something that is 
constantly something that we're thinking about and we know it's meaningful, I think we need to share that more. And so I've been using that a lot in language to emails to, because I really mean it. I just want to be better at, so the lesson for me is just being better at explaining that and, and sharing that to people every opportunity that I can. Now, it doesn't mean you walk around spilling it out like it's like free candy, you give it out where it's appropriate and as people are doing it. But if, if somebody's doing something, whether that is, you know, um, a, a high level leadership decision to a, somebody just sitting for five minutes and having a conversation with somebody who's having a bad day, that's meaningful work that that person did, whatever level of the leadership that person's in and everything in between. And just letting people know when they, when they do things that, Hey, what you did was meaningful. It really made an impact in somebody's life. Again, whether that was a, a, a money decision or a, a fatigue decision or a burnout decision or an opportunity decision, whatever that is, the work is meaningful. So lesson number one, make sure that you're really acknowledging uh, people's work, it's a meaningful nature. Um, you will not only get a benefit from the business side of that, you're also going to get a benefit because you're actually helping grow the person, uh, which is the whole point in my, and not the whole point, but a really large point in actually having a business in the first place. Anything to add to that, Hallie? Um, I was just kind of thinking about this whole concept of meaningful work. So when you are constantly or consistently reminding somebody of the, that their work is meaningful, it's meaningful to you, which there's value in that, right? Like mm-hmm. value in say, telling a team member that you made an impact on their life. But how do you, how do you know that that may not actually be meaningful to them? So I feel like there's a slight difference. It's like, it's meaningful to you. And there's, there's definitely value in acknowledging that. But then you also started off by saying people, it's important for people to be doing meaningful work and meaningful is very subjective. Yeah. Well, I think the the point is that when you see somebody doing something, regardless of how rudimentary it is or how large it is, you're letting them know, hey, that work, that action you just took, Hallie, was meaningful. And then in my experience, people go, oh, then I am doing meaningful work. Because to your point, so many people get caught up in thinking that meaningful work has to mean something that they're not doing. I think that's where a lot of the suffering comes in is people have this expectation that meaningful means somehow I've reached 14 million people today and I've saved the world, right? Like, well... I'm just, I'm exaggerating, but you you understand my point. I think people have this, this, this definition of meaningfulness that they're not doing something meaningful. And so therefore you're reminding people that, Hey, what you just did right there was meaningful. How you helped this client was meaningful. That email that you sent to them, that was meaningful to them, right? That was a, that was a meaningful act. And then people start to go, well, then maybe I'm actually doing more meaningful work. And then it gets them out of that cycle of thinking they need to do meaningful work. And then that may change their career. I mean, it changed what they're doing. That's, that's a later conversation. But what you're doing is you're acknowledging to the organization, not to me, because that what they did was not necessarily meaningful to me. It was meaningful to the action they took to that person. And you're acknowledging that the action that they took. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, yeah. All I'm saying is that I do think there's a slight difference just because it's meaningful to somebody else doesn't actually mean that make it meaningful to the individual who's performing that service. Well, then let me ask you a question on that. If it's meaningful to you and not meaningful to somebody else, do you still do it? If it's meaningful to me? Yeah. Yes, I would still do it. Okay. So like in, in a business setting, if, if it's only meaningful to you and not meaningful, if nobody else is getting value from it, do you still keep doing it? I probably not in a job, but in the greater sense of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what, again, we're taking two different extremes, but I think that's the point of that is that like in their role that they're playing in in work, what they did was meaningful. 
they're, so their action that they're doing is meaningful in that work. And I think that's really, and it's a great question. I, I appreciate you, you, you always taking a different side to that. I know that you actually agree of what we're saying. Um, but for our listeners, there may be somebody that asking that question. So it's a good way to kind of approach it. Generally, because I'm trying to think of, a, I'm trying to think of an example where this comes into play, but I, I guess I can almost think of some, vaguely some personal experiences where somebody's like, oh man, thank you so much for doing that. Or that meant so much for me. And meanwhile, I'm like, I could have cared less that I actually did that. Right. Like, yeah, but I did it because it was my job or I did it because it was the right thing to do, but it actually provided me no meaning. Well, is that because you didn't care about it? But what if you just said, well, that, that has a lot of meaning to the person. Therefore, I'm going to actually be a little bit more present in providing that, even though it's not necessarily going to change your life, but it changed somebody else's. Perhaps I just wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, base my life goals or my work goals around that. Nobody's, right nobody said anything so about, no yeah, we so didn't really say anything about me. goals though. Right. We, uh, what we're saying is that it's, it's meant like my life design, I would yeah. make my life design around something that was only purely meaningful to somebody else. I would, I need to make work to be meaningful to myself as well. Don't disagree. And I think people should always look at that of what they can do to make it meaningful to them. I think the first step in this is somebody acknowledging that the work that somebody is currently doing is meaningful. It's meaningful to somebody. So your actions that you took was meaningful to somebody, even though you didn't care less and you go, okay, well maybe that was meaningful, right? It's just, it's good to hear that feedback from people. And so I think that's what the, the, the case of this is that if you go, you may help somebody find more meaning in their job by letting them know what they're doing is meaningful. And then again, that's why I said, then if they decide to switch tasks or switch roles or opportunities, that's different. But at least if somebody's doing something and they're taking an action, let them know that was meaningful if it was meaningful to somebody, right? So that's the point of that. That's for, for yeah. me, that lesson was all about making sure people, you're really acknowledging the meaning of what people are doing in work. I, I think, again, you're going you're gonna to end up with a much, much, more peaceful, happier, more fulfilled, and more productive workplace. I just add one more thing, because kind of where I was going with the little dichotomy between the two is that, because I agree, acknowledging meaningful work is so key. I think taking it one step further and understanding what is actually meaningful to your employees, sure. and then making sure you're actually acknowledging that rather in addition to any everything else is just taking it a little deeper. Love it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Number two, uh, no one is supposed to make you happy, but you. This is something that I've been teaching, drilling into me, into my kids. Just, you know, even every, this morning, my, we were walking down our, I walk my kids to the bus stop every morning and Maddie was running late and she got drove, driven down, even though it's like a five minute walk and Asher starts throwing a fit because Maddie got to go in a car and I just, I turned around to him. I said, whose responsibility is it to make you happy? And he's like, because he knows the answer. And he's like, well, it's me. And I said, well, how do you feel right now about you losing control over the fact that something you already has happened? And we got into this conversation and it's just use it, constantly reminding them and you, this is for you, right? You can take this, your personal life, you can take this, your business life. Uh, just that no one else is responsible for making Hallie happy. No one's responsible for making Kim happy. No one's responsible for making Adam happy, but you period. That's it. So take full ownership of that. So when you find yourself in more of that victim or why this or how come this is happening, you just go, hey, I'm responsible for my happiness. And the happiness I really refer to as like peace and joy. It's that kind of, you know, a lot of us are walking around, majority, 99.9% of people are walking around with a base level of stress in their life. And then when things happen, that kind of piles up and you end up responding from that. It's your job. You own this to wake up every day and be responsible for how you feel. 
your peace, your joy. Nobody else. Don't look to your partner, your business partners, your intimate partners, your kids. Don't look to your job, by the way. Doesn't mean you can't change it and throw that in there for Hallie, right? But any of these things, just none of that should be putting pressure on you to make you, it's your job, by the way, you can't go to a person, place or thing to go make me happy. And that's what we do. And that's where we get caught up in suffering. Cause we have this expectation that a person, place or thing is going to make me happy. And it doesn't. So always come back to, it's your responsibility to make you happy. Number three, learn to sit and just do nothing. You know, when I shared this yesterday, I think, you know, we, we got back and sort of talking about some of these things and just saying, learn to sit and just do nothing. I think people get anxious just hearing that, right? What am I going to do? Right? What am I going to do? And this, I gave this example, this really stemmed for me in a lesson is, you know, I forget when it was, but I, uh, we were going to go over to a friend's house and spend the night and I go to them and I go, well, what am I going to do over there? Kind of like saying it, like, how can you entertain me type of thing? And I think it came across more, um, it was more egoic than I wanted it to, but so then they responded like, well, what would you do at your house? And then I was like, wow, that was a really interesting question that I asked there. I said, well, why can't I just go over there and enjoy the company of them? And they didn't say it like they didn't respond like that, but that's how I started talking. And I actually did some journaling on it. And I realized that I was almost looking, um, it was very challenging for me. To, I didn't feel like I needed to be stimulated in that conversation instead of, which is not a bad thing, but instead of just actually learning to sit and do nothing. Now, do nothing doesn't mean that you actually do nothing. It could be that you read. It could be that you sleep. It could be that you meditate. But just how often do you actually just learn to sit and calm you down? It's like you just, you slow down, which gives you better clarity to be able to make better decisions. Remember, the quality of your life will be determined by the quality of decisions that you make every single day in business, in your life. The quality of decisions of what you eat, how you exercise, what you sleep, right? The people you associate with, the business decisions, all about decision-making because that determines your action, that determines your results in your life. So all of these lessons are kind of designed to around to make better quality decisions. So again, learn to sit and just do nothing, period. That's for me. Number four. There are life hacks that contribute to your peace, find them, adopt them, and never give up on those. For me, this is exercise, meditation, and journaling, particularly exercise. And for me, I, I wake up and I look at this as, as every day that I exercise, I'm just a better, better person. I'm a better human being. I have more peace. I have more joy. I can tackle the world. Challenges that show up roll over easier uh, versus getting me wound up. And so again, it, that's for me. It, this is my lessons that you can maybe adopt them for your own, but there's something that people can do each day that put them in a better state period. And that could be reading. That could be spending time with somebody that could be, you know, a, a glass of tea or coffee or whatever that is somewhere is doing something. You could be go for a walk, whatever that is. There's something though that will trigger. It's kind of like these habits that you can stack that help support you being a, a happier person. Again, happiness, meaning just peace and joy in your life, at least that it is to me. So find those, adopt those. Don't wait for a burning desire. Don't wait for those things to feel the need to go do those things. Just do them. They just become a staple. And I always, and I think exercise is that for a lot of people, which is why I do it. And I'm saying it's for everybody. You don't need to ingest the answers that I'm sharing, but I think it's for everybody because that could be yoga. That could be a walking. That could be push-ups that you're doing in the morning. That could be CrossFit. That could be swimming. It doesn't matter. As long as you moving that everyone always feels better after exercise. So then you feel better. You become, you become happier and more peaceful for a period of time. You're able to handle things, which again leads to you making better quality decisions for your life. So there are some habits that you can stack to make yourself feel better. And, and again, for me, I look at this as, um, you know, the world can wait for me to exercise period. 
Now there are times that I miss these things because of, of certain, you know, uh, you know, traveling, even then, like I tell you, I, I very, I can count on one hand, the number of times that I've, I've been forced to miss something. Even if I do, I'll, I'll do something in, in lieu of that. Um, but it's, uh, it, again, to me, it's, it's, it's exercise, meditation and journaling or the three things that put me into the best situation so I can show up to be the best version of myself. Those are habits. Now there, that alone isn't going to make you happier, but those are great hacks, if you will, to put you on a progress path to become a happier, more peaceful, less judging, less envious person to be able to make better quality decisions for your life. Anything to add, Hallie? You good there? Um, no, I just think that part of that lesson for you was also finding, because you shared this earlier, that what you, what people, or what you really want at the end of the day is peace. Yes. So in order to achieve that, then here's these kind of like life hacks or life habits yeah. that you can implement that help you, um, that help contribute to that. Yeah. Yeah, I wake up every day and just say, you know, I the thing that I want, more than anything, it's just peace, period. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that's what most people are looking for in life. I'm not going to tell you that's what you're looking for, but I think at least in my life, I wake up and then I want to go act from that peace. Now I, when I say peace, I don't mean an activity. That's two totally different things. I mean, I want to be peaceful while I'm building a massive business. I want to be peaceful while I'm playing with my kids. I want to be peaceful while I'm exercising, right? So it's just a state of being that I'm operating from. That's what I'm looking for. It's not about the action or inaction. It's about what part of me is operating from that. And I want to operating from a place of clarity and peace. So that's why I wake up every day and I want to operate from there. All right, next one. There's no better, there's no one better at being you than you. So be you, don't apologize for it, be you. You can't be anyone else fully, so don't wish to be. What I mean by that is, you've probably heard this before, it's like, if you want to, if you envy somebody or something they have, and you're not willing to trade places with their age, their demographic, their, where they live, their kids, their family, their, their life, their work life, their personal life, everything about them, then you should not wish to be them, Right. And most people wouldn't change everything about everybody that they like. They just want to take the best pieces from everybody and think that should make them. Well, that doesn't really work, period. It just, it just creates suffering. So there's no one better at being Hallie than Hallie, period. There's no one. I'm not going to do it. Kim's not going to do it. No one is going to be better at being Hallie than Hallie. No one's going to be better at being Kim than Kim. This is not. So once you accept that, then you just go, this is awesome. No one can be me. So go be you, right? That's it. So no one is going to be better at being you than you. And really, this really came in light for, with my kids of just having constant conversations around them about, I love you unconditionally, and there's nothing that you're going to do or not do that's going to change that for me. So be you. And just really driving home that message. And then I woke up and said, well, I just need to be me then. <laughs> right? And so it was kind of that same thing about just being you. No one's going to be better at it than you. Period. No one's going to, no, there's not. They can't. So you have something to contribute to somebody. So do that. And that becomes the benefit of that. So again, there's no one better at being you than you. All right, next one. Luxury can be a necessity. Be very careful about how you spend your money. Really quickly on this one is just at every level. I give the example of when I had my first job, I think it was like $32,800 what I was making. And I felt the wealthiest um, that I had at any point in time in my, my life, right? And, well, not necessarily now, but like, I felt extreme. I don't, I guess my point of saying is I don't feel any wealthier now than I did back then, even though 
I have a lot more than $30,000, I feel, I didn't feel any different. So this luxury concept of when you, when you have money and it increases it and you try it and you go, wow, I really need that becomes standards. And next thing you know, luxury becomes a necessity and you can't do without it. I mean, how many times in our organization, Hallie, do we see people making decisions because their new lifestyle and they go, well, I can't do that because I have this new lifestyle I have to live, but then money's not important to me, right? It's like, it's like we see that and I see this in so many people in business. They're like, well, I don't really care about money. They say that, but then they have all these things that are actually causing them to be stressful about making the money that they can make so they can support their luxury necessities. Because the reality is, is we could all go back to, I mean, Mr. Money Mustache lives on $30,000 a year, right? So I'm not saying people need to go do that. I'm just saying, be careful in tracking where your money goes and be, and be very cognizant on the fact that if you're increasing your lifestyle, make sure you can truly afford it. Don't, don't allow luxury to be a necessity in your life because we've done a whole podcast on this where that your happiness does not increase after about $76,000. And in fact, after $250,000, it tends to go backwards, small amount, not for everybody, but it tends to, that's the research shows. So again, make sure luxury is not becoming a necessity here. Uh, the next one, time is an illusion and yet very real. Uh, you know, our bodies age, things age, pl- you know, places age, families age, the impermanence of everything, right? Yeah, there really isn't any direct evidence of time. Now, people could argue, that's why I said in there that time is an illusion yet very real, because what's really real is the form world, the world that is impermanent. I mean, like, you know, the world has been around for approximately 4 billion years, galaxies 13 billion years. You've been, you know, human, some form of human sapiens or neanderthals have been around for 2.3 million years like it's just there's 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 evidence of form but not evidence of time time is is man-made it's a long we could get into a whole podcast episode of this but for me how it related to this is that there's there's a there's a timeless aspect of me and yet there's form that's real that has a timeless component to it that has a time component to it so again this helps me bring back to really enjoying and thinking that every moment which is the kind of the next one of uh, that every moment is the best moment you can have. And it really is, is because as time is an illusion that we made up. And my point of saying that too, is just don't get so caught up in time that you're thinking about time the whole time and not actually enjoying the time that is actually occurring because there's only one moment of time. Everything else is vision of the future or past. And if you're living in the future in the past, it's, it's not really time. It's you're living through mind at the present and you're missing the present moment. So the point of saying that is time is real in a form world and you can look back in the past, look in the future, but the really only moment there is, is actually this moment that you're, that you're actually interacting with life, which really isn't time. It's just an interaction. At the end of the day, what you really want this is the next one. At the, at the end of the day, what you really want is peace. And you said that before, not just that period, right? Everything we do in, in life is designed to bring us some level of more peace. And so for you, just be very clear in what that looks like, build habits around your peace and how you can work on you bringing more peace into your life. It's never going to happen from something outside. And so it will, if it does, it's temporary, right? And, and so you, at the end of the day, and kind of like you said this earlier, Hallie, is you just want, I just, I think people wake up and, and they're searching for some level of peace. They're just doing it in an indirect way. They're going, I need to feel peace inside. So I'm going to go get a car. Or I need to feel peace inside, so I'm going to go get a new job. I'm going to get a new peace inside so I can go get a new house. Now, if you're already peaceful, go get a new job. If you're peaceful, go get a new house, right? Or if you're peaceful, take a vacation. So th- the point is, is, is what, what's your operating system? I guess that's a better way of looking at it. Your operating system, is it tension, anxiety, future-based? Or is your operating system, I'm at peace and then operating in the world? 
because there's two different ways to do that. One's going to be very, very stressful and constantly anxious. The other one's going to be, I'm, I'm peaceful. I'm happy. I'm joy and I'm enthused. And now I'm going to go act in life. The other way of saying that is spirituality isn't about changing what you do. It's about changing the part of you is doing it. And that's kind of referred to that operating system. So again, if you had a tremendous amount of peace in your life, how would you act differently? And so then again, build the habits that support that. All right. And finally, um, let go and fight. And what this really means uh, to me is that, again, before you go and respond to a challenging situation in life, let go of the need to be right, to be vindicated, to allow that anger or jealousy to come out. Let go of that part of you that wants you to respond from it, then fight. It's never about not taking action. It's just about not taking action from the lowest part of you. And so for me, it's just a constant reminder. And I, I use that reminder a lot and, and shared that knowledge with a lot of people throughout the year. So it's a great lesson for me just to, whenever you're feeling riled up, let that part go, then fight, then take action. Because there's going to be a lot of challenges that show up in your life, period. Life is not supposed to be easy. It's going to happen. It's going to show up. But before you respond to that, let go, right? If your house is being taken from you, you don't just sit back in passivity. But what you do is you let go of the need for it to change. You just let go of that part of you. Then you dig whatever course of action you need to, to fix it, right? Same thing. If your business is suffering, let go of the fear that's coming around all of that and then fix the business. Because if, you, if you're doing it from fear, you're making not the highest probability of making the best decision. You still may pull out of it. Fear may be a, a factor. And some people say, well, fear drives me to do this. It's true. But was there a higher, better decision there? That's what I always go to. Remember, you know, the, the, the leader that makes a 10% better decision every day is geometrically running a larger organization, more profitable, more larger business than somebody who doesn't. So that may be that, that 80% of the time you make a great decision, but 90% of the time somebody else does. And that 10% differential between compounded every day is a dramatic difference. So that's what I mean by when you let go and fight, you still may be, Hey, I responded from anger or responded from this and it got through it. Of course you did. You, most people do, but they're suffering along the way. They don't operate from that system. And was that really the highest decision that you could have made if you had let go of that and then made the decision? Maybe there would have been a different level of clarity. You know, Ray Dalio is a, is a big, a lot of people are now, but Ray Ta Dalio talks a lot about this, a lot about having those radical conversations, meaning check yourself, don't allow that system to come in there and, and cloud your thinking and then operate from the clearest sense that you can to make the best decision um, that you can with what's facing you. And that's it, right? So for me, these lessons, um, you know, I, I just was watching people kind of share their lessons and what they did and, and really hadn't thought about them too much um, up until, you know, break when we, when we got to really quiet down and I sat for a few minutes and just typed them all out and I said, well, what did I really learn? Right? What did I really learn? And what was the message for me that I needed to hear? And these are the things that surfaced from it. So that's really where it came from. There wasn't like, I wasn't writing them down monthly. I wasn't doing that. It was just, it just one morning I sat down and I said, what did I really learn? What did I really learn? And, and, and what would I, what would I want my kids to hear? What would I want my, my partners to hear? Um, that they could take away maybe even 10% of this or a point of this that may help their life. Um, because it helped me in my life somehow. And those are the lessons that kind of emerged. Does that make sense? Yeah. Did you feel like there was like one bigger theme or, um, like one overarching lesson that emerged? Yeah. You know, if you see there's, there's a comment, that's a great question. You know, I think for me, it, it's all about, um, it, it, and it's not that I, it's been even a stronger sense about making decisions in business and in your life. 
that's this been a you've I know you've heard me say this a lot over the over the past particularly over the last couple months man it's just it somehow it clicked with me one time when I heard it I think it was an interview with Jeff Bezos when he talked about just how decisions were just everything in his life and it really somehow just clicked with me in that moment and then everything has kind of been following that model so everything I do is trying to design to make a better decision and this doesn't just go with in business this is your personal life if you're making a better decision on how you eat how you raise your kids the things that you do the how you spend your money right where your mind's going to how you run your business all of those things just become a make you a better more peaceful human being so if you're knowing that the decisions are generating everything then it's decisions that I want to put the most impact on and so how do then I work backwards from there going, how do I put myself in a situation to make the best decisions in all aspects of my life? So you being a CEO of a company or CEO of your life. And so that's what these really lessons kind of stem from is how do I put myself and how do I have a set of principles to put other people, if you will, in the best situation, my kids, my partners, you, anybody else that they can, that can take some of this to make a better decision for their life. So you're actually teaching people how to make those decisions instead of actually getting people to ingest your own. One last question. How do you see from your lessons from 2021 carrying over into 2022? And do you feel like there's one big thing that you're hoping to either learn or explore or experience in 2022? I think just going deeper on how do I, how do I generate even more, more peace, more happiness in my life so I can, so I think if, if you are a very happy, peaceful person operating in the world, meaning you're building a business, you have family, you're doing everything that people want to do, but you're doing it from a different place of you. I think that is really interesting to people right now. And I think that's what people will want to go. How do I go build this business yet not and not lose my and not have all the suffering? How do I go do all these? How do I go operate again? How do I go at, you know, just be active in the world? yet still be grounded, if you will. It's another way of saying it. And for, so I just really want to continue to do that deeply for me so I can bring that concept to other people. Um, but I first need to do it and continue down that path. And so that we can continue to share that with anybody that, you know, that is listening to this or that is in our organization. Uh, and then they can continue to share that same message as well so that people are operating in the world um, from a different part of them that creates a lot more peace and happiness in their life. That's the ultimate goal. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us today. We are an entrepreneurship company, which means that we are always in growth mode. And what does that mean, Hallie? That we are always looking for and hiring great talent. Yes, we are. So here at Adam Hergen with our companies, we believe in creating a world large enough where no one ever has to leave. Whether that means becoming a realtor, transitioning to another position or organization, or growing into a C-level leadership position, the opportunities are available to those who prove themselves and are driven to grow and contribute to our organization. You can find all of our job listings on our website at adamhergenrother.com forward slash careers. Come join our team and develop yourself through business.